Welcome to the Second Success Podcast by Dr. Rakesh Rana, the Clear Coach. Getting clear on the mindset for repeatable success. Hello and welcome to the Second Success Podcast. I'm Dr. Rakesh Rana, the Clear Coach. And on this week's episode, I'm joined by a very good friend, Sebastian Nicolo. He's a property buying agent, but uh, it's quite simplistic to say that, but we'll get we're going to get to hear from him shortly. So last week I mentioned that I'd be heading out uh, on the following day to an event run by the 96 Club and what an amazing event it was. It was at Chesham Gardens in central London, uh, stone's throw from Knightsbridge and I got to see some of the most beautiful cars, classic cars, supercars, oh, you name it. And in the end the real spectacular, real treat was an Alfa Romeo priced at around £14 million. Somebody told me it was about the second most expensive classic car in the world and it really was a treat and it sounded great too and if you want to see what I saw I did put some pictures and videos on my Instagram so please do head over to my account then you can check them out for yourself and the tag is at the clear coach as it is for all my social media handles quite a tiring week actually this week and uh uh, you know, there's been a lot of work going on, which is fortunate, but also a lot of um, exercise and training. And, you know, I've mentioned it in previous podcasts. That I've been on this health kick. It's about 12 weeks in and uh, it's been quite remarkable. I will dedicate an entire podcast to it, I promise. But um, suffice to say, the journey's been interesting. Um, I've been missing certain foods. Uh, the exercise is OK. Been managing lots of steps, at least 10,000 steps every day, up to 15,000 on some days. But the amazing thing is the uh, body weight drop. So I've managed to drop and lose, I should say, 12 and a half kilos in about 12 weeks, which is wow. You know, for me, I thought that would have been unheard of. But the next uh, phase of it is to actually reduce the body fat percentage. So, you know, it's OK at the moment, but I want to get it down lower. So let's see how that goes. But like I said, listen out for a future episode on my um, fitness journey. So coming back to today's guest, I have my good friend Sebastian Nicolo. He's going to be talking about risks and throwing yourself in at the deep end. He's an international property guru, renowned real estate buying advisor and founder of Galleon Property Search. Sebastian, originally from Bordeaux in the southwest of France, arrived in the UK in 1999. He graduated with a master's degree in business management from the University of Bath in 2001. He then spent 13 years working for large corporations, NASDAQ and CAC 40 companies, mainly in international strategy development and markets launch. He always knew he wanted to own his own business, and when life took an unexpected turn, it also gave him the opportunity to pursue that path. For the past 10 years, Sebastian has been actively involved in property investment across Europe, during which he has developed an ex extensive knowledge base and expertise of the UK, French, Spanish and Portuguese property markets. Through first-hand experience as a property investor, he realised that the current process for finding and acquiring property was unfit for purpose. He found it to be a complex, frustrating and time-consuming journey which could be challenging, even for the most experienced buyer. Sebastian wanted to address these challenges and develop a professional service tailored exclusively to the buyer's needs and founded Galleon in 2014. His vision is simple to change the real estate industry, remove the challenges and pitfalls when acquiring a property, and for buying agents to become the first point of contact for anyone looking to acquire a property. Let's hear from Sebastian and how coming into business from a corporate career was more challenging than he ever thought. Hello, Sebastian, and welcome to the Second Success Podcast. Good morning, Rakesh. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. And yeah, thank you for inviting me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. And I'm going to say you're bringing a nice... Uh, little bit of glamour to my podcast with that lovely French accent of yours. 
Yeah, <laughs> I'm not quite sure <laughs> if the French accent is glamorous, but yeah, it's part of, uh, you know, you know, funny enough, I've been in London for more than 20 years, but I, I, I do know I still sound as if I've landed last night. Uh, <laughs> not, nothing has changed in the past in the past 20 21 years so yeah there you go i'm just hoping that i'm just hoping that the people who will listen will be able to understand what, what i'm saying no yeah i think you're absolutely fine you're articulate people can hear you you're clear do you know what the most important thing is though i know so many people that come to the uk or actually move to different countries and I'm not saying they're embarrassed of their accents, but they do try and develop, try to develop a native accent just so that they could be better understood. Have you in that 21 journeys ever thought, oh, I'm going to struggle here or my accent's going to get in the way? Has that ever come to you? So I think that for me, it was interesting when I moved here. Uh, my English wasn't great at all. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I came, I was studying in France, chemistry and physics, and I came here to do a degree in chemistry with business and so on and so forth. So for me, I came here, I came here to actually get out of this kind of science study because mm. the French uh, educational system is very different to the UK one. In France, if you study chemistry, you're going to end up working in chemistry. In the UK, it doesn't really matter yeah. uh, because the business are going to assess your potential as a, as a candidate. Yeah. rather than, uh, you know, what you've learned at university. So my English was very, very bad when I came here. And then you come with plenty of, you know, good spirits saying, okay, I'm going to learn the language. But then after six months, you can't have a proper conversation with people in English. It's like, <laughs> so it's getting very boring. So the default option is that you're going to surround your, yourself with native people, people you can actually have conversation with. So for me, it took me a little bit of time to actually mm. improve my English. I probably will say one to two years. And after that, I think that the most significant sign is when you start dreaming in English. Yeah. I, I think you've crossed this line of, okay, so now this becoming my language. As to changing my accent, I don't know how to change my accent. So yeah. Throughout my career, I mean, I've, I've started to work, we probably will talk about that later on, for very large corporations where I had to do presentation in front of many, many people. Mm -hmm. And it has never been a, a challenge as such. And I think it's part of my identity. Uh, so I, I never wanted to change it. And even if I wanted to, I, I would not even know how yeah. to do it myself unless you go and see a professional Um, who will teach you that so it's part of me no which is you know what keep it it and that's the differentiator I always say to people you know what you could be good at something and you need something unique that sets you apart and to be honest you know straight away you, you become memorable and this is the thing you know when you're meeting so many people uh, the one thing that the impression that gets left behind is That's one difference. And it's a positive difference as well. It's not a negative in any way whatsoever. Anyway, we, 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 uh, we're spending a lot of time on the accent thing. But what you touched upon, I liked um, hearing that. I didn't realize this. We've known each other for a while now. I didn't realize you'd done uh, chemistry because that's my background as well. And it's one of the reasons I did chemistry was it was quite a, it was the kind of degree you could do that one, either yes, you could go and do science or you could then actually go and do anything because it was a, it was, it was quite a broad degree back then. And uh, yeah, it's, so it's quite interesting that you hear chemistry. So why not stay in chemistry, but was the real focus to, like you said, the chemistry with the business was the intention to always go into business? 
Simply because, um, and I refer back to the French ed educational system. Um, in France, at the time when I was 20 or 18, I probably didn't have the maturity or mm. the wisdom to know exactly. Uh, it took me a long time to get a vision for my life. And I'm quite open about mm. it. I mean, some people, you know, from the age of 15, they know, they know exactly what they want to do. That yeah. wasn't the case for me. On the thing in France, and we're not going to go on about the educational French mm. system because it doesn't really matter. But the thing in France is that if you're good at school, then you do science. Yeah. This is crazy. I mean, you know, business discipline is not treated. Literature is not treated. It's science. And that was my case. I was good. I was good at school. Mm. So my teacher was telling me, OK, so you do science. So I've done a science baccalaureate A level. And then I went to do a science degree. But mm. then at the age of 20, I thought that... That's not me. I, I can't see myself yeah. working in a laboratory for the next 20 years. Same here. I love the discipline, but that, that's not me. Yeah. So I tried to find an exit from that. And that was a chemistry and business management degree in Kingston University. Okay. So I knew a professor and I just went for it. The decision happened yeah. very, very quickly. And, and that's kind of a trend throughout my life. I make decisions quickly. I might not have, I might not be equipped with everything, but I kind of throw myself into it, and I think, okay, let's let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean, do you know what? That's a great example of a growth mindset because there's too often too many people want to do something, but they're very fearful because they don't feel as if they're right. And to be honest, so many plans get way laid because people need to believe that they they need to be a hundred percent um ready to be able to do it but the fact that you just throw yourself and yeah and that's something i definitely know about you 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 do do things very quickly quite not i'm saying impulsive but you know what you want uh yes but you have to be ready to get burned as well so yeah. by throwing yourself you expose yourself to you know situation where you might not be comfortable mm. so you, you you have to have a little bit on self-awareness it's a lifetime path yeah. i mean you know it doesn't we don't just wake up one morning being self-aware it's through life experience challenging yeah. on, on on things like that but by throwing yourself um and there is many examples throughout my life um i think we need to be ready to be challenged mm -hmm. and to be confident that whatever challenge will be thrown at us will be able to actually address it so we have to be ready to be burned. It's, yeah. it's a little so, bit risky. So tell me, where does this come from? Childhood, this lack of, uh, you know, this this self-belief, this lack of fear, where does it come from? My background, I come from a very, very humble background. Um, and I don't come from an entrepreneurial family, quite the opposite, actually. Um, my mom was an accountant. My dad was working for a company uh, about fire protection within buildings. So it wasn't the mindset. It was a very, very safe mindset. But my parents taught me amazing value in life, which is hardworking, being honest. Um, and so I'm not quite sure where, where that comes from. I think very, very early on, I had this desire to challenge myself and to actually push my limit. Um, and that could be the, the only explanation that, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I could keep, give you right now. No. I mean, um, did you have role models then back then? Were there people that inspired you? That not you really. To? No? 
not great. <laughs> and you know, I'm I'm being completely honest. Even today, yeah. Um, you, you know, you you could ask me for role model, and I could give you some big name out mm. there. But actually, people who inspire me are the business owner and entrepreneur who surround me, and their success inspire me. Um, uh, th this is why this is this is my drive. So yes, there are some big name out there who did mm. achieve a lot, and I could name them. But uh, actually, this is not where my drive is coming yeah. from. I'm I'm the same, to be honest. I, I I struggle to think of somebody that are in you know really I aspire to be, and I, I do think that you know I don't I don't aspire to be anybody. I've and and actually, what I've realised is having convictions in myself and enjoying what I'm doing to be successful makes me happier than me trying to aspire to be somebody else. However, the inspiration I get is from people that I surround myself, you know, people like yourself, successful business people that I learn so much from because, you know, we can be talking and you'll talk about something and then all of a sudden that clicks, you know, flips a switch in my head thinking, oh, I want to try that or I need to do something like that. That is a lot more inspirational than me trying to look at a maybe a successful coach out there and try and emulate what they're doing because for me that that doesn't inspire me at all really. So we we, we can learn from those people definitely. And yeah. you know those are an amazing source of insight to look at those successful people. I'm just going to give you an example. So at, I've got quite a big network in London. On this week we. Uh, we, we, we created a small group of entrepreneurs on, on, on the business owner. On this week, we had a brainstorming about social media. So we were 10, 12 people around the table and we were sharing our best practice. We were learning from each other and it was so priceless, so priceless. And it was a beautiful moment because as business owner, um, it can be a very, very lonely place. Of course. Whether you know, you're a single man or you've got a team of five people or 50 people, you have to make all the decisions. So it's so important to surround yourself with peers, with other people who are going through exactly the same challenges mm -hmm. and be vulnerable with them. Open up just yeah. to say, this is the challenge that I'm facing right now and sharing ideas and learning. So mm -hmm. anyway. Well, you're right. I mean, every entrepreneur, every business person has gone through their trials and tribulations. Uh, and can, can continue to do so. So, you know, on the outside, we look at perceived success. We look at uh, this success that people are looking to put out there, but actually we don't know what's going on. And there are still things going on that they need to work through. So, and, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate, you know, knowing so many successful people, but actually when you peel away those layers, you understand that they have daily challenges that people just aren't aware of. And so it is, it is about being vulnerable and you do, that inspires me. Because that's the other thing, because when I'm on my own journey and you think, oh, does this happen to everybody? But when you hear people and you hear their stories, you know, I'm fortunate to be able to do this podcast and I get to hear them firsthand. It is. It's amazing. And um, I was saying to my last guest, it's quite cathartic for me that, uh, oh, it's almost like a yes, it's OK. Everybody goes through this. And but the main thing is to keep going, to deal with the challenges as and when they come and surround yourself with people that are going to help you, I think is key. Absolutely. And, and um, being vulnerable is a sign of strength. It's not, it's not the opposite. Um, you know, hiding behind a big shield is not, it's not being strong. 
uh, when you actually open up yourself to the world, then you're going to expose yourself to the response of the world towards you, good or negative. And when you open up, that means that you're ready to actually face that. So being vulnerable, we don't know everything about everything and we learn every day. So being vulnerable is, is um, uh, I think it's an important element to self-discovery and growth. Um, no, exactly. So, Sebastian, you you know you said you came over to the UK doing your degree, and you're, you've had a very successful career in business. So, yeah. So, talk. Tell me about that. More, more, more marketing. Sorry, more, more marketing than uh, than finance. So, came here to do my degree, then done a, a master in business management, then started to work, got a job offer very, very quickly from a huge American company who used to be called Kraft Foods, so multi billion. Um, and I worked, I've stayed there five years and I decided to leave after five years, um, because it wasn't for me. So, um, I've learned so much within this business, but their culture wasn't in line with who I was in those kind of business. You're just a number. Okay. Yeah. And you know that if you don't perform, then there is 20 people waiting at the door just to replace you. And that's going to happen very, very quickly. So for me, it has been an amazing school in terms of analytical skill, being professional, being thorough, project management, because we were managing a lot of money. Mm. But it was very, very risk adverse as well. So after five years, I quit my job and I went traveling around the world for seven months. Oh. Everyone was telling me at the, at the time, it said, you should not do that. You're yeah. crazy. You cannot leave a company like that. And so on. And I felt, and I said, no, I, I feel that, you know, this is what I want to do. Yeah. So I went traveling around the world for seven months, uh, which was an amazing learning. Um, yeah. I was on my own. I met some fantastic people and I learned so much about myself. That wasn't the purpose when, when I started this travel, but yeah. it was the outcome. I came back a different person. Uh, I came back, then I worked for two other companies on my last job for, was for a big spirit company called Pernorica, where, okay. where I was director of the export. I absolutely loved it. Um, I was very comfortable. I was on a six-figure salary. I was traveling the world, staying in nice hotel and so on and so forth. So that's what I've done for 13 years. Then something happened in my family. So during that time, I always felt that I wanted to have my own business. Always, okay. always, always. Always felt it in my stomach uh, or inside. Um, and, but I was so comfortable at what I was doing and I yeah. was enjoying my, I mean, you know. Yeah. But then my mom got diagnosed with cancer in 2013. And we knew at the time that uh, it was a stage four, so it was just a matter of time. Mm. Uh, and I've been an expat for 20 years. So I go back home from time to time, but you don't actually share, you know, you stay two, three, two, two to three yeah. days, but you don't share the real life moment. Of so for me, at the age of 39, that was, that was a declic. I quit my job. Hmm. Um, and at that point, I've decided to set up my own business and I quit my job to spend time with my family in France. Hmm. So I went back. And during that time, I've set up my business. So this has been this has been the trigger yeah. to actually, um, you know, it, it, it happens very often like that in life. You need something big to happen mm. to make a big decision. Yeah. Um, 
and for me, it was it was just obvious. This, this mm. is what I had to do to go yeah. back to see my parents, but that was the right time to set up my business. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unfortunate that you know you, you talk about the trigger, and in a way, it was a, you know it was a negative circumstance that did it. But you know, I've I've spoke to people and myself, my trigger says you know has there was a trigger my own trigger was you know similar to yourself in the sense of working for a corporate but having that feeling I needed to do something different and I guess my trigger was actually engaging at the time with a coach and I was so fortunate to have met this person who through being coached transformed my thinking and that was my trigger but everybody has them but in terms of then spending time in France setting up your business I mean it was still must have been challenging you know your mother's obviously with stage four cancer how did you have the mindset to even focus on anything else I guess it was it was a challenging moment um more than challenging because you know they're they're your parents you only have one mom on one dad but we knew as well from the start that he was he was too advanced it was just a matter of time so during that time you just prepare yourself you prepare yourself for the out the outcome that we know will happen. So for me, it was really enjoying the moment, enjoying the moment with her on my family, on taking it day by day. And on the side of that, I mean, my life didn't stop as a result of that. Yeah. So I was balancing, okay, always wanted to have my business. I knew exactly what I wanted to mm. do. Uh, we might talk about that later on. Uh, so for me, it was the new dynamic, my business, my family spending time with, with my family, probably some, some time that I didn't spend in the past 20 years. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's always great um, to, to, you know, to, do, to, to have opinion with hindsight. But yeah, I, I was trying to make up some times yeah. that probably I didn't have uh, um, in the previous 20 years. No, that's, that's really, you know, really admirable and special that you were able to do that really is um I guess you know that brings us to your business and it's probably when we met actually because I think you'd been doing it for a few months you were back in London when we met well gosh six years ago seven years ago maybe something I'm losing track of time goes by 2000 yeah 2014 yeah something like that I'm just trying to yeah it was yeah 2014 I think we met in about 2015 I think it was if I remember right and uh, so you know, it, and it was property, uh, and you're into the property business. But you know, you go buy. Uh, you, you you're a buying agent, and you know the term I've never heard of. So when it comes to property, you know, you, you get your estate agents, you get people selling to you. You know, as a buyer, I would go and look and stuff. But but you're a buying agent. I'm just. This is an opportunity just to explain what it is that you do. Please go ahead. But I I love it. I can talk about it for hours. <laughs> um, so. It's quite, there is not a big awareness about what we do and what that was one of the challenge when I've set up my business. Although buying agents have been around for 10 to 15 years. Uh, we address a very, very simple problem within the real estate industry today, which is when you want to buy a property. So uh, as buyer, we take all the financial risk. Okay. Mm. And today we have to deal with selling agents who work for and represent the sellers. Yeah. So the job of a selling agent is just to make sure that their client sells well. And there is nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong yeah. with that. But as a buyer, you're completely unrepresented. And there is a different system, for instance, in the US with a realtor, where the buyer is going to be there, going to have their advisor, 
on the seller will have their advisor. In Europe, that's not the case. The buyer is completely exposed. So our role as buying agent is, one, we work exclusively on solely for the buyers. And our job is to protect our client's interest throughout the process. Mm. So we work, we represent private clients who are looking to acquire real estate and we cover the UK, France, Monaco, Spain, and Portugal. So I've got my team in Europe. Um, on our job, first and foremost, is to advise our client, mm. is to facilitate their decision making. We don't sell anything. Yeah. Uh, our role is to uh, identify all the information they need to make the right decision. Mm -hmm. uh, this is our job. Then the process, there is a very, very efficient process behind it, which is we put a brief together. We spend a lot of time with our client to understand, to, mm -hmm. to capture their vision. Mm -hmm. Then we do a, a market search. We source the asset on, on market, off market. Uh, we negotiate the deal. We manage the convenience in process, ownership setup, estate planning, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So we do absolutely everything but from a buyer perspective. Yeah. I mean, and I guess the clients that you have, they're so time poor that you're a blessing to them. The, the fact is they're not having to do the running around. They're not booking multiple appointments throughout the day. They're just doing every, you know, you're doing everything. You've taken a lot of that pressure off that buyer. And, you know, for me, for me to be that, like you said, you know, I've, I've had to, when I remember when I was buying my house, you go in blind, you know, you don't know whether you're getting a good deal. You don't know what to look out for. You're relying on, friends or family to give you advice but you know whether they know any better you don't know but to have somebody that's a professional knows exactly what they're doing and I guess that the advantage is most of yours are international sales it's not like you're selling something or you know you're helping somebody that's just moving down the other end of the street it's literally international purchases and multiple homes of these clients what you just described is, is exactly the, the situation. So mm. there, there is a huge demand out there <clears throat> for those kind, for this kind of services. And yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy because that's one of the most important decisions, whether you buy for 1 million, 5 mm. million or 20 million that you will make in your life. Yeah. Um, and, and you're not represented. You don't have, you know, a team of experts by your side to actually advise you. So this is what we try to address um, on the list of benefits is long from time saving. Uh, we've got access to the entire market because we're fully independent of using our expertise to negotiate the deal uh, and so on and so forth. So, yes, um, the, the list of benefits is quite long. So tell me in terms of because I remember, you know, when we first met, I remember I was on my journey. You were kind of on your journey. And we used to talk about the challenges back then, just, you know, getting the customers and how to market and everything, you know, and seeing you now, it's fantastic. It really is. And, uh, you know, just hearing and listening to you speak about it. And, you know, obviously I follow you on social media, just seeing what you offer. I think it's just fantastic. But what do you think has been the turning point in the last few years where you think, you, I mean, every business is always growing and it's, you know, it's a daily struggle for a businessman. But was there a point where you thought, yeah, this is now working. This is like, I'm, I'm where I need to be to take it where I need to take it. Um, it has been tough. The journey has been very, very challenging. On any entrepreneur out there will tell you otherwise, you know, they probably will not be fully open. It's a, it's a tough path. And for me, so I had a couple of declic. Um, 
One of the, so that come back to what we were saying at the start, I just threw myself into it. I wasn't an entrepreneur. My friends were not entrepreneurs. They were corporate high flyers. Um, and I just threw myself into it without exactly knowing, uh, but I was confident that I will be able to make it up. Only has been a million times more challenging <laughs> than I was anticipated. And what happened was, um, I've set up my business, then within the first week, I signed my first client. And I thought, wow, wow. That's it. You've made it. <laughs> but then I spent 10 months without signing a client. <laughs> and I thought, okay, what did you do, Seb? What, yeah. you know, how come? And then I realized that my mindset was wrong. Mm. I was driving a business with a corporate mindset. Yeah where you know you spend hours doing a very detailed business plan mm. where you do your communication in the same way I was doing my communication when, when I was managing multi-million brand but actually mm. I don't have multi-million in my business today so yeah. I was managing my business like a corporate guy and after 10 months I've started to surround myself with peers with mentors and I realized that actually being an entrepreneur is not that Mm. It's not about a super detailed business plan. It's about, you know, being agile, adaptable, yeah. trying, uh, figuring out what's working, what's not working. But the declic for me has been to start networking. Mm. Because when I wasn't doing that, th that wasn't the world where I was before mm. in this kind of, uh, in this corporate world. And I started to network. Mm. And I spent all my days, all my week meeting people meeting people, explaining to people who we are, what we do, the benefit of using our service. And at the end of the day, you don't do business with business. Uh, you do business with people. You do business with people you like. Yeah. And it is so important to get ourselves as business owners out there. Mm -hmm. and I, I wasn't aware of that. I mean, I was probably very, very naive. But again, it was late. Let, let's do it. We're going to make it happen. And, I, and that was one trigger. I started to network a lot. Then it probably took another six to eight months to start getting leads on yeah. prospects. Uh, but at, at the time, it was seven days a week, 13, 12, 13 hours a day. It was nonstop. You forget about your social life. I was in a relationship. It collapsed. I mean, you know, your own focus is about your business on making your business a success and you use every single minute of the day in order to achieve that which is a mistake because that's completely counter counterproductive on and, and you see that down the road is you need to find the balance where you got your me time where you can re-energize yourself resource yourself but you've got this kind of vicious cycle of wanting to achieve wanted to deliver, fear of failure as well. So you just put all the energy you have into it. Um, so yeah, it probably took a good one year and a half before the business started to work. Then the more you do it, the more clients you're going to get because mm -hmm. most of our business today come from personal referral, previous clients or people who know us. Of course. So the more project you're going to deliver, the more leads you, you, you will get as you progress. 
And, and, and you know what? I found that with coaching as well. You know, I thought once I qualified as a coach, there you go. Clients are going to come to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, was I mistaken. But what, and what I've realized, it's like you said, it's creating relationships. And I must admit, I would say 70 to 80% of the clients I've had are people that I've probably known or have been following me in some capacity for at least six months to a year or have known of me. It's, you know, it's the rare occasion, you know, that 20 to 25% where they're in the need of a coach, they've done some research and I've come up somewhere. And then they kind of follow me down that rabbit hole, maybe speak to a couple of other coaches and, you know, they come on board as a client. So you're right. It's so important to be engaging with people, uh, networking and building those relationships. And it is business shouldn't be about transactions. It should be about relationships. I think that's, that's a key learning for me, definitely. So, you know, I always ask this of my guests, what would you think, you know, going back from your education in France, coming over, working in marketing to now having the successful business, what have been your three key learnings that you've probably taken throughout your life, your mental attributes or mental learnings that you think these are what's keeping me going? I think, oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't know if they're learning. They're definitely skills that I had to develop throughout. So probably skills that you've got in yourself that, you know, mm-hmm. are suddenly uh, needed throughout this process. I think that one of the most important was during those up and down, and especially during the entrepreneurial journey, because you're going to have high moment and you're going to have very, very, to have very, very low moment, is to be able to process things very quickly and to turn the negative energy into a positive energy. Mm-hmm. Because when something goes wrong, it goes wrong, you can, you know, be depressed about it for three days, but that's not going to change the situation. What happened, happened. So the key thing is to learn what happened, to assess the situation, to see what we could have done differently and to move forward. Move always, always, always move forward. If we were not open to challenges, we would not have chosen that path. That's just, that's just part of it. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, positive energy, positive mindset is uh, very important. Surround yourself with the right people. It is so important as well. Uh, you don't need to do that in a corporate world because in a corporate world, you're very protected. But when suddenly you're out there on your own, you're not protected anymore. And you are the CEO, the CFO, the CEO, you're doing everything, everything. yourself. So it is so important to surround yourself with the right people, peers, mentors, where uh, with who you can go for advice. Mm. Um, uh, so... Yeah, that probably will be my, my second learning. And my third one is um, uh, being, uh, I forgot the name in English, being resilient. Um, even during the difficult moments, never give up. Always, always believe in your vision, what you want to achieve. This is why it's so important when you set up your, your business to have to set it up for good reasons. If you set up a business because you don't like your life, Hmm, maybe that's not going to be able to, um, you know, enough to help you during the day. Strong purpose then, real strong purpose. Exactly, Perfect. completely. You need that. So basically it's that resilience and positivity, your network, 
and a strong purpose. Oh, I think they're fantastic. You know, uh, and I always I, I love hearing these from all my guests because you know what they all resonate with me. They all you know, there's a little bit of all of them that I can pick up on and I take inspiration from as well. So uh, yeah, no, it's, it's great to hear, Sebastian. I, I you know what I know. It's an early morning that we're doing this, so I want to thank you for your time. It's been really honestly. It's it's. Um, you know, like I said, we've known each other for a while. You know, I know some of your story, but you, for you to relay it back, there's some details that you talked about today that I weren't, wasn't aware of. So it's been fascinating to hear it. And I'm sure people listening in are going to be just as inspired to hear you uh, talk about your journey. So I wanted to thank you for your time. It has been an immense pleasure, my friend. It's always good to see, to see you and to talk to you. Um, and you inspire me as well. You know, I know your journey. We started more or less at the same time. And, and we grew together. So. Um, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me this morning. Um, and yeah, thank you. And that was my very good friend, Sebastian from Galleon Property Search. And, you know, it really resonated with me and what he talked about in terms of network. Um, when I started my own coaching business, I was coming from a corporate career. I graduated in coaching and I thought, well, there you go. It'll be quite easy. And boy, was I wrong. You know, there's so much to learn. And actually, if it hadn't have been for the people around me, the network that I've continued to grow, I don't think I'd be here today. I definitely wouldn't be doing this podcast. So, yes, it's so key that we grow that network because your network is your net worth, as the saying goes. And another thing about running a business, it's about being relentless. And uh, it's uh, appropriate that I leave you with today's clip about being relentless. And it's Morgan Freeman narrating a small scene in Million Dollar Baby. I hope you enjoy it. Take care. To make a fighter, you got to strip him down to bare wood. Rest when you get. Just tell them to forget everything you know. You gotta make them forget it in their bones. Make them so tired they only listen to you. Only hear your voice. Only do what you say and nothing else. Thank you for listening to the Second Success Podcast. I'm Dr. Rakesh Rana, The Clear Coach.